Welcome to Armenian Alliance Conversations. I'm Manyak Sakin. Many Armenian organizations were founded shortly after the Artsakh War in 2020, which started when Azerbaijan launched an unprovoked attack on the Armenians in Artsakh. As a result of the war, 4,025 Armenian so- soldiers were killed. There are 217 soldiers officially missing. 11,000 servicemen were wounded, and there are 1,500 soldiers who have become disabled. Armenian mental health professionals were immediately concerned about supporting the more than 100,000 people who were impacted by the war. My guest today is R.P. Azaturian, the founder and president of Frontline Therapists, a nonprofit organization which aims to provide comprehensive trauma-focused treatment to the Armenians who are impacted by the war. Frontline therapists also provide psychological training and educational opportunities and aims to improve access and understanding of mental health services in Armenia. After the large-scale attack on Armenia on September 13, 2022, Frontline Therapists has been providing mental health support to the victims of Azerbaijan's aggression. Arpia Saturian is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed psychotherapist with over nine years of experience. She receives her master's in social work degree from the University of Southern California. She has a bachelor's degree in sociology from California State University, Northridge. She has worked with organizations to build and implement culturally appropriate services while managing multidisciplinary teams. She has been committed to reaching the underserved and volunteer vulnerable populations of Los Angeles. She developed and participated in a 44-episode television show called A Look Inside, aimed at increasing mental health awareness in the Armenian community. In 2017, she established a private practice that specializes in stress management, treating symptoms of anxiety, depression, grief, and loss, postpartum disorders, and serving the geriatric community. During the Artsakh War of 2020, she volunteered to go to Armenia to provide treatment to those directly impacted by combat, including soldiers and their families, military personnel, hospital staff, and displaced people. RP, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Since we will be speaking about mental health today, I want to begin by saying this very important message. If someone is having thoughts of suicide or experiencing another kind of acute mental health issue, Please do not delay. Speak to a mental health professional immediately. There are suicide prevention hotlines and other resources available for you to contact, depending on where you live. RP, let me begin by asking, what country is your family originally from, and which Armenian communities do you relate to? Well, my parents were both, their, both of their families uh, were from Iran, and then moved to Armenia. They they were raised in Armenia. I was born in Abovyan, Armenia, uh, but I was raised in Glendale. I was a baby when we moved to America, so I was raised over there. You were volunteering to provide mental health services in Armenia during the Artsakh War in 2020. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about what you were doing? At the time, I decided to come to Armenia to see what type of help we can offer. Um, we were trying to do some remote work, but it just didn't seem like it was enough. So I decided to come to Armenia. We, I came with a group of people. 
uh, we came and we asked the head of psychiatry and head of psychology in Armenia of how we could be helpful. And at that time, they, they, they put us in different locations based on our experience and our uh, skill set. And I started volunteering at a military hospital. How did frontline therapists get started? Uh, during that time, when I came to volunteer, it was the plan was to be here for a few weeks of volunteering. And when I started, when I started working at the hospital and started meeting other uh, mental health professionals, uh, local local mental health professionals, and started to ask around about how is mental health in Armenia, how um, how do people access treatment, what type of treatment is even offered. How how do the how do the clinics treat the therapists? What how is the professionalism? How is how do they operate? And the more questions I asked, the more I realized we need more help in Armenia when it comes when it comes to mental health services. And I realized that there's no way I could just leave because I I I literally knew that if I left. There was no one to replace me. There, there are just not enough. Um, there's just not enough trained therapists at, at, at my level. There's not enough trained therapists to be able to do the work, you know, that I'm that I'm doing. And it's not just about me. And it's it's about the level of therapeutic experience that we have from from America or from European countries that just doesn't equal to the experience that they have in Armenia. So you mentioned that therapists in the United States have more experience. Is that because you're treating more diverse populations and a lot of veterans? Because in the United States, there are millions of veterans. I think it's part of the education process during during our trainingship to become therapists. We are mandated to do practicums or internships, so we have more processes to get experience. And plus, we're learning from people that have had more experiences. In Armenia, we're just not at the place yet to have had um, so many experienced therapists teaching then the younger crowd and also uh, in the education system here they do not do internships they don't do practicums so there's less educational opportunities for people to, to just learn from different types of clinics and different types of populations what are the services that frontline therapists provides and how can armenians access these services we provide mental health services so that includes traditional psych psychological counseling. Um, we provide alternative care, which means like we do art therapy, we, um, we do yoga, med meditation, we do different types of um, group activities as well. So giving different people different types of opportunities to improve their mental health. We also um, provide psychiatric care. We, do, we don't have a psychiatrist in, in our office, but we work with psychiatric clinics and a frontline covers the cost of that service and any medications that the client might need. Providing mental health care is a resource intensive endeavor because patients see mental health professionals a lot more times than they see other types of healthcare providers. At frontline therapists, how do you get mental health professionals to work for you? 
Oh, we've had a we've had a wonderful experience uh, in the in the beginning when we started Frontline. Um, the the idea was to bring uh, Armenian professionals from around the world to come to Armenia, especially at the time right at after the 2020 war. Uh, we re- remember that before the 2020 war, we had the Apulian war, the four day, four day war, and so the the local therapists were whoever was whoever was working with soldiers were already exhausted, um, and and they so there was limited resources. So the idea was to bring people from the outside uh, to support the local therapists and also to provide services. So we've had a great experience having therapists from all around the world coming to Armenia to volunteer uh, for services uh, to treat tr- to treat veterans. Um, we've had people from England, Canada, Syria, Lebanon, of course, America. Um, and, and so we've been able to meet a lot of different people. And some of those people uh, became staff. What has frontline therapists been doing to assist the Armenians who are impacted by the Artsakh War of 2020? Well, we continue to provide uh, free services for the veterans. So people who participated in the war. We also provide services to their family members, uh, family members of fallen soldiers, um, anyone, any anyone that was impacted by families of anyone that was impacted by war. So that means you know we've had, um, for instance, some of the soldiers who have had severe wounds, maybe loss of limb, uh, helping their families cope with that new change, new change. Excuse me. Um, we've also been helping a lot of the professionals that were treating the soldiers during that time, uh, like the doctors, the nurses, the emergency workers. People don't realize that uh, war doesn't only impact the soldiers. Of course, the soldiers take take the biggest hit, um, but war impacts so many people aside from that. Um, the emergency workers that drove the ambulances who had to go also on the front line to pick up bodies. Uh, the experiences that they had w- were also traumatizing. So we're focusing on helping the veterans as well as anyone impacted uh, directly because of war. You brought me to my next question, which is that uh, post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD is a major mental health issue that impacts people who have experienced a traumatic event. Most people have heard this term, but there are misconceptions about PTSD. So what exactly is PTSD? So when we experience a trauma that was an unexpected trauma, um, a crisis moment, and that could be a car accident, that could be um, a natural disaster, it could be a rape or someone physically attacking you. Um, and of course, and it could be war. When we experience these traumatic events, our body automatically responds to these events. And the impact that that trauma makes on our body um, then develops into symptoms of what we call post-traumatic stress disorder. Our body holds the stress that we just experienced, the emotional pain, and sometimes the physical pain. Um, And because of that, it creates ripple effects in other parts of our life. I think we need to emphasize that mental health trauma and other negative impacts that occur from war, as you said, 
um, they can last for years. And in many cases, they last for the rest of that person's life. For example, there are many victims of the 1988 earthquake in Armenia who are still suffering from mental health issues. And then also we have ongoing trauma that is occurring to these war victims because we have thousands of Armenians who are still displaced because of the Artsakh war and they're waiting for permanent homes in Artsakh and Armenia, the continuing trauma and stress of being displaced and not having a permanent home and community just adds to the war trauma. Absolutely. So we know but in research, research shows us that um, more than 50% of, of combat veterans that suffer from PTSD, it lasts, it continues on with them throughout their life. And that's a, that's a lot of people. And, and uh, I do want to emphasize that um, when someone is, um, when someone is diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, when they're, when they have PTSD, aside from the mental health aspect, the, the, the damage it does to them uh, internally, usually P- people with PTSD, con- continued PTSD, usually also develop substance abuse disorders, alcoholism. It impacts their ability to have jobs and maintain jobs. It develops into domestic violence and other aggressive behaviors. And it also severely, significantly increases suicidal ideation. So there's a lot of long-term impacts of PTSD. And like you said, yes, people are still suffering from, from, the, from the impact of uh, the earthquake. And what, what we know based on our research is that if we don't treat PTSD uh, in, a short, in a short term, so once the trauma happens, if we don't start addressing it soon and we allow it to stay, the, the impact that it creates in the other parts of our life compounds onto the PTSD that we the trauma that we originally experienced and it becomes much more difficult for us to be able to come back from that and to undo the damage that is created in ourselves and in the in the life that we live what are the most common mental health issues that veterans of the Artsakh war are experiencing uh, uh, inability to sleep that's the number one problem is a lot of them are unable to sleep because when they want to sleep, they start having flashbacks or nightmares. They're seeing um, themselves in the in the war zone. They're seeing that their friends' dead bodies. They're seeing uh, re- replaying their own um, what happened to themselves, right? And so these images don't allow them to go to sleep. And lack of sleep then impacts other parts of our life. Um, combat veterans, uh, specifically less, specifically um, the veterans from the 2020 war, a lot of them are, are left with negative thoughts, negative thoughts about themselves. It's, it, um, this type of, this type of um, trauma, combat trauma, um, impacts our worldview. So we know that when soldiers participate in a war, when they're in combat, it impacts their worldview. So they start questioning everything. Why did I go? Who did I go for? What happened to me? Why did it happen to me? Why did it happen? Why did my friend die? I didn't die. 
Why did my friend get um, severely injured? I didn't get injured, right? And so all of these questions uh, and comparisons start to impact them as well. What you just mentioned there is a syndrome that we know that we've um, I that we've identified among veterans and people who experience uh, mass casualty events. You know, like a like a terrorist attack or a or a, like a natural disaster, and um, it's called survivor's guilt. And basically, mm-hmm. uh, people you know who don't die, and then people that they know who do die. And so I wanted to ask you about that specifically. Mm-hmm. Right. And sur- survivor's guilt, um, it's, it's very difficult, especially in our, in our Armenian community. We already have a problem with putting guilt on people <laughs> as a, as a cult- cultural issue. Um, and then here comes an issue. Here, here comes combat veterans, right? They, these people survive. Um, the soldiers themselves are already questioning why they survived and their friend did not. A lot of the times, the families of, of other soldiers want to visit them. For instance, um, the parents of a soldier who died want to visit another soldier who was a friend of their son. Right? And this re-traumatizes the soldier because the parents are emotional obviously they're crying they want to hear about their son they want to hear about what happened to their son okay and you can't blame the parents either because they they want to hear they want to they want to hold on to any bit of information they can and the other soldier understands that and although he also knows that it's re-traumatizing him by, by sharing this information, they do so, right? And so, and th- this hap- this hap- this, the story has happened so many times. Um, and a lot of the soldiers feel like because they survived, they have to somehow pay back the friends who, who, who died. And, and this complex um, doesn't allow them to live their own lives. Sometimes they feel guilty to be happy. They feel guilty to be able to move on, right? Because what does that mean? My friend can't move on. Why should I? Or my, my, my friend's parents are suffering. Why should, why should my family be okay? The suicide rate among veterans is higher than in the general population, particularly mm-hmm. after a war. What are the warning signs that someone could be suicidal? When someone starts to isolate too too often, uh, when they start to start when they when you see them to start planning an end of something, they might be giving away some of their stuff. They might sell some of their items. They might start talking to you about um, the the afterlife. They might start talking to you about maybe life is better off without me, or maybe you're you're better off without me. These type of comments should not be taken lightly. That doesn't mean that we should jump to conclusions. It's an opportunity for us to have a conversation. If someone is talking to you about maybe ending their life or maybe life is not not 
enough for me. That's an opportunity to have a conversation. Um, a lot of times people are afraid to have that conversation because they think if I talk to you about suicide, that means I'm giving you permission to, to commit suicide. But we know that that's, that is not what happens. People just want to be heard. People want to be seen. So if someone is talking about suicide, just ask them questions. Just talk about, just talk to them about it. What are the most common mental health issues that civilians who did not participate in combat-related activities are experiencing? Uh, fear, stress. Um, remember, remember, let's remember how many soldiers were participated in 2020. Um, uh, soldiers that were uh, ha- that were mandated to be there. We had volunteer soldiers. We had military staff participating. We had thousands and thousands of soldiers on the front lines. That means most all families in Armenia had a soldier on the front line. And so that type of stress impacted everyone in Armenia. And, and last month's events show us why Armenians have inter, intergenerational trauma is because we're constantly surrounded by threat. So this, this threat that is in the back of your mind creates trauma, creates, um, creates uncertainty of what's going to happen. I have been thinking a lot about women who were impacted by the war because when men are fighting in the war, women have the enormous burden of protecting their children and elderly family members. They have to figure out how to provide the essential needs of living in a war zone. There was an enormous humanitarian crisis as more than 100,000 people were displaced from Artsakh and every family had to figure out where to go and what to do. And oftentimes it was just women and children because the men were actually fighting in the war. Mm -hmm. They say that in the military, the entire family serves, not just the soldier. Um, and oftentimes the burden uh, placed on women is enormous because they have to worry now about the children. So many families had to be displaced. And in, in just a few moments, you have to make that split decision of where am I going to go? How am I, how am I going to get there? How am I going to protect my children? Um, and this, this enormous stress, um, we, we saw so many, so many women dealing with this. Uh, and then, and then the post-war burden of okay, where do I go? Where do I go back to? Um, what about the women who lost their husbands? Now all of a sudden they're the breadwinner. Now all of a sudden they ha- they're the only ones bringing that have to find some type of financial income to take care of their family. On September thirteenth, two thousand and twenty-two. Azerbaijan launched a major unprecedented attack deep into Armenian territory. During this attack, there was indiscriminate shelling of 36 towns and villages. 7,600 Armenians were immediately displaced. 207 Armenians were killed and 293 Armenians were wounded. 29 Armenians are still missing. What actions is frontline therapist taking to assist the victims of this attack? 
So since we started Frontline, a lot of the work we've been doing is about education, about um, public education, and working with other organizations to improve mental health awareness. Um, and so this crisis, this this war that happened last month, that started last month, showcased the work that Frontlines has been doing since we started. So. As soon as the fighting started, we were contacted by multiple organizations requesting services. And this is, it, it was um, in a strange way, um, nice to kind of see kind of like the fruits of our labor. This is, this is what we've been preparing for. Um, and so we were able to respond to multiple organizations that needed emergency help, uh, including um, supplies. Because we are we because we are contact we are connected with so many soldiers and uh, different military bases we were able to immediately provide support that they needed as well as the mental health support of certain um, uh, certain um, border villages that were displaced dis, uh, displaced immediately. I want to ask you since you're connected uh, with the military. Does the Armenian military have uh, mental health professionals on staff that are um, there to serve veterans or um, active duty soldiers? When I say we're connected with the military, we're not officially connected with the uh, military system. Uh, We just work with a lot of soldiers, a lot of uh, lieutenants and such. Um, Armenian military system does have psychologists they have uh, psychologists for different bases and they have internal psychologists. Now, are they qualified therapists? Not, not all of them. And also, sorry, I, I am going to point out that they are a government entity. So they those therapists, um, they belong to the army. And so what happens a lot is the soldiers do not want to talk to them or do not say everything to them because they're afraid that the information will be shared up or that the information will be used against them. I know this is a big topic that deserves many lengthy discussions, but in your experience, what are the key things that Armenia's government and Armenian organizations should do to support the people who are impacted by Azerbaijan's aggression? This is... Definitely a long conversation, but just from from my humble, humble, humble experience, I think that we need to be more prepared for things. We constantly react instead of being prepared. Um, you know, just I, I mentioned a little earlier ago that we were collecting supplies to send to the front lines. Why? <laughs> that that shouldn't that shouldn't be up to civilians to do that you know these types we the government should be well prepared to deal with crisis we're surrounded you know we're, we're surrounded by azerbaijan and turkey it's not that's not brand new information we should always be prepared for for any emergency situations including mental health crisis response we should have a many mental health professionals trained, ready to respond when a crisis happens. What sort of supplies were you actually sending to the front lines? Uh, emergency equipment from 
um, uh, hydrogen hydrogen products to um, like bandages and other other types of um, medical medical supplies. We collected a lot of items to send to the displaced families because immediately overnight they they lost their homes. Yet all of these children, uh, no no diapers, no food, no nothing, right? And so we were able to collect a lot of items. It, it was really wonderful to see people come together um, and collect collect the items that were needed and, and send to the people that needed it. Frontline Therapist develops programs and projects that improve mental health awareness, treatment, and education in Armenia. What are some of the projects that a Frontline Therapist has done in this area? We've done a lot of educational outreach. Uh, so we do public education and we also do um, trainings for local therapists to inc increase their um, skills, to improve their interventions. Um, we've done a lot of public, ed pub public events, so community events, increasing awareness on suicide uh, prevention. Um, we just had the, uh, it was World Mental Health Day. We did an event at the park. So we're trying to do large scale events to increase aware awareness, start talking about mental health, start educating people about what's going on inside them and, and what that can mean. You have been working with the Armenian community in Los Angeles for many years, and now you're working with Armenians in Armenia. What level of progress do you see in understanding mental health and seeking mental health in the Armenian community? It's coming along. I, I will say that people always ask me, are people receptive? Yes, they're very receptive. It's just on a slower level maybe than uh, our experience in Los Angeles. And that's just because America is further along in the conversation about mental health. Um, and so I, Ar Armenia will, Armenia will get there about, um, being more open and, and talking about mental health, uh, I think it's just it's a natural process. As a result of the Artsakh War of 2020 and Azerbaijan's continuing aggression since 2020, more than 100,000 people are impacted by the trauma of war. There's also the enormous mental health impact that was caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. There is a serious mental health crisis in Armenia and Artsakh that needs to be addressed with comprehensive strategies and resources. Unfortunately, providing mental health service to the thousands of Armenians who really need it is, a lot of, is another strain on Armenia's already under-resourced healthcare system. The importance of having mental health care resources should be recognized by the governments of Armenia and Artsakh and by diasporan organizations that are trying to support the Armenians who are impacted by war. Frontline Therapists is an organization of mental health professionals that is providing mental health services to the Armenians impacted by Azerbaijan's aggression. Frontline Therapists is also doing projects to increase mental health education in Armenia. You can make a donation at frontlinetherapists.org. Most importantly, if you're a mental health professional who wants to have an opportunity to volunteer in Armenia, Frontline Therapists would be the ideal organization for you to utilize your professional expertise to help Armenians. Armenians can do the most good by utilizing their professional expertise in public service activities. 
If anyone is experiencing mental health issues, please do not suffer in silence and isolation. Seek help from a mental health professional or begin by speaking with your regular doctor about your mental health. Many people tragically suffer for months and years before seeking mental health care. If someone is having thoughts of suicide or experiencing another kind of acute mental health issue, please do not delay. Speak to a mental health professional immediately. There are suicide prevention hotlines and other resources available for you to contact. Thank you so much for having this conversation. We could talk about mental health for hours. There's there's so many things I'm thinking right now that I would have loved to, to say. Um, this, the talk about mental health and, and, and what's happened to Armenians and what the impact is going to be in the long term is a, is a very long, never-ending conversation. So thank you for, for taking the time today. Um, I want to reiterate that talking about mental health does not make you weak. It does not make you less of a person. We all have stresses that we deal with, and it's important for us to be able to have these conversations so that we can become healthy individuals. Uh, we need to stop stigmatizing mental health. I always tell my clients that if you had a heart condition, you would talk about your heart condition. You would ask, you would ask your doctor about your heart condition. You would take medication. You would tell your family about your heart condition. You would ask them for support. It wouldn't be some, some embarrassing or secretive thing. Same thing is with mental health. Uh, the more we can talk about it and normalize these things, the easier people can access help and the faster they can re return to their life. Arpi, thank you for joining us today. I also want to thank our viewers for watching. My guest today is Arpi Asaturian. She's a licensed clinical social worker and licensed psychotherapist. She is the founder and president of Frontline Therapists, which is an organization that provides mental health services to Armenians who are impacted by Azerbaijan's aggression. She is joining us today from Yerevan, Armenia.